JoeVertigan.com here with uh, Oneida, Wisconsin's Wayne Roofers. And Wayne uh, had a racing career that started in the 70s, ran into the 80s. He ran the dirt, uh, ran some asphalt. He's had a couple of the sons who have been racing. Wayne, tell us how it all got started for you and when. Oh, I don't know. Back in about uh, 73, 74, I started running on the dirt. I traded my Harley even up for a, a race car from Donnie Mead. Donnie Mead, was that one of the Superbirds oh, with the big wing? That was a Superbird with the wing, yeah. So you traded a Harley for that thing? Yeah, traded my Harley, brand new Harley. Had and, about 2,000 miles on it. And talk about your first race. Where was it and what do you remember about it? Oh, I think at Deep Pier. And I, I ran the feature there every night, you know, at Deep Pier. And uh, well, we finished in top 10 quite a bit with that old car. So starting out, growing up, uh, did you attend the races? You came from a racing family, correct? Yeah, my dad raced, one of my brother raced. My dad raced back in the 40s and 50s. And your dad's name was? Urban Riffers. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, and he raced the old coops back then. Him and three, four of my uncles, there was a whole bunch of them out there. Wow. The Riffers against the Nesses back then. That was a big deal, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it was. So you stuck yeah. you stuck with the dirt uh, up until uh, 79, 80. Yeah. You had some success. You ran near the front. You also ran some Shano, correct? Yeah. Uh, De Pere, Shano, Seymour. Yeah. Any, any any good memories? Any big wild wrecks you had out on the dirt? Never really had no bad wrecks. Uh, the best run I had, I, I bought a, a Camaro afterwards, a Chevy uh, from Crook Schultz. Roger Paul drove the car. And I, the next weekend, I won the feature at Chano with it, won the feature at De Pere. Was that the old 66 car? 66 car, one of the old Camaros that Roger Paul drove for Crook Schultz. I remember yeah. that. In the 70s, yeah. who are some of, what are some of your best memories racing on the dirt half miles? I mean, you you met you were friends with Scott Hansen, yeah. and I know Bob Menner used to come down yeah. and, and race. Uh, talk about those memories in, in racing with those guys. And the Irisons, you know, from up north. Oh, and, sure. And then when the red, white, and blues run over here, Paul Kazerowski used to give uh, get a set of tires, and Dick Trickle would come over there on, on Sunday night and run at the Fury, you know. And, and Dick was a character, and truth be known, he actually was a pretty good dirt track driver, too, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, he run right up there, you know. He, they go around the pits and get him a set of tires, and even with the windows in the car, he'd let the windows in the car and go runner at, at De Pere. So it was around 1980, uh, and when you kind of you still ran some dirt, but right after that, the switch you kind of made it to asphalt. What, a lot of guys decided. Pete Parker was one of the few guys that stuck with the dirt. Why did Wayne Ruffers decide to stick go to the asphalt? Well, back then? actually, I bought a new car from Mike Granderson and must have been about 79 about a brand new uh, third design house and we ran that car on the dirt and the asphalt both sure you know we, we put windows in it to run here and and uh, we ran Shano on Saturday night Sunday afternoon we'd run over here and, and Sunday night we'd go run the pier with it take the windows out and put a no put, take half the nose off of it and and uh, we run both tracks. Wayne Wentworth did the same thing for a while. Cliff Evan yeah. and Lowell Bennett, I think were two of the last guys to keep doing that, weren't they? Yeah, it could have been. Could have been. I don't remember. So talk about, I, I remember being here in 1981, the infamous uh, incident with, with Jim Sauter and the dash when he, he kind of crashed. You know, remember what, what all what all went down that time? Well, they had that claim rule on motors at that time. And one of my sponsors went and claimed his motor a couple weeks before that. And, and then I put it in and... and Mr. Wheeler didn't like that, so 
Yeah, I was in the dash. I was one in the dash here and saw her come up behind me and turn four and just turned turn me over there and got me headed toward the wall and you know, just a payback, I guess, for claiming her motor. I said, well, I wanted to try to claim her out. Who knows if it's going to work if nobody tries it? Well, exactly. Yeah. And what yeah. was it back then? $3,500 well, a $6, motor? $6,000. $6,000 for, and that yeah. was for the 9 to 1 motor, right? Yeah, 9 to 1 motor. It was a B&B motor that uh, Bruce built it. After, Bruce, Bruce Miller, right? Yeah, after that, I, I started buying Bruce's motors. Right. After that, yeah. But then you had a, did you sell a race car to Ted Musgrave down the road? Uh, when I quit, I sold the whole car, not the motor. The motor went, actually went to Rayborn, Gary, because he was sponsored by Steve Marler also, and he wanted a spare motor for Gary. So Gary got the motor and the rest of the car, trailer, the whole thing went to Ted Musgrave. Now, people don't realize what a motivated guy Ted Musgrave was. I mean, he'd have raced seven nights a week back in the day if he could, right? He, yeah. he, was, he really got after it, didn't he? He raced four or five, you know. He right. raced four or five and took care of a fleet of trucks for a guy, and he was, he was one of the hardest working guys out here. That's why he made it to where he was. Talk about Richie Waters. You had a relationship with him. He was involved in your pit crew for at least a year or two, was he oh, not? Yeah. yeah, he worked on my stuff. And what's Richie like? That's another guy that's pretty motivated, huh? Yeah, yeah, he still is, you know. Wow. Uh, he's got his deal going down there in North Carolina, and he's always got something cooking down there. So now, uh, your, both of your sons raced. Uh, uh, Luke Ruffers ran, ran at WIR, uh, ran a modified before that at Shawano. I yeah. remember announcing some yeah. of those races. And Chad ran for a while. Uh, talk about your boys' racing careers. Was this something you pushed them into, or was this something that you decided that they kind of wanted to do on their own? They, they just kind of, when Chad was 16, we bought him a modified. And start, he ran dirt for a couple of years, and then Richie was building late models at that time. so. I said, well, you might as well build him a late model. We'll go try him out, you know. We did a bunch of testing over here, and and then he, he run here. We ran down in Florida one winter, and he run good. And, and he had a bad wreck over here and won, and he didn't want to race after that, so. I remember that bad wreck. Yeah. Uh, that was, I think Tom Sprowski was, got, they got into it, and it wasn't there a fire with that car, too? Yeah, it, it burned, and one good thing, the, the track guys here were quick, and they got over there, and put it out but he got out of the car before the before the, the fire was even out so now luke roofers had ran a dirt late model up here and then moved down south and he was he's been with uh, uh ganassi for for quite some time 15, he did a pretty big role too doesn't he 15 years he's been down there by chip ganassi yeah and uh he's been he's been like a shop manager for that 42 car or what's well, he what's he, he been doing lately he rebuilds rear ends now he was on the test team for quite a few years and he did about everything in the shop there that everything but the body shop or the chassis shop but as far as the mechanical he was in charge of putting the cars together he kind of a lead man on that for a while and then he was on the test team for three four years now they ain't doing no testing because of the new car coming in a year or two so right he's rebuilding rear ends and suspensions and stuff now the one thing i heard over the years for uh for wisconsinites that went down there to work in NASCAR land is because the work ethic that Wisconsin people have, they didn't have any problem finding work down there. I mean, does, does uh, Luke have any stories with regards to that? Well, he, it was a good story because when he started at Ganassi, there was 400 men down there. They had like four teams and and uh, he started there when Richard Stremme was driving a 40 Coors Light car. Right. And, uh, and then they lost a couple sponsors and stuff, so they cut down about 200 guys. and. 
and uh, uh, Steve Latar's dad was the shop foreman. And he told the upper office, he says, you get rid of anybody but not that kid from Wisconsin because he's as good as three, four guys around here. Isn't that so, something? That, yeah. That's a heck of a compliment. And, and Steve Latar's dad was there like 25 years. So he, uh, he told the management, he says, they had to cut a bunch of guys. He said, just don't cut that kid from Wisconsin. I'm sure it looks, is it not, it may, is it all it's cracked up to be down there? I mean, it's a little bit of pressure sometimes, though, uh, with uh, with getting things done at, at that high of a level. Well, sometimes, you know, they got to work a little extra, you know, but they got enough people, and it, it goes pretty smooth. They, they normally work nine, ten-hour days. Yeah. Looking back on your racing career, uh, is there one event you're most proud of or uh a big crash or big incident that 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 kind of stands out for you? Well, here at Kakana, I I had a new car from Mike Randerson, a '50s line, and, and one of the Arco races, twin '50s that night, and, and uh, the first one. That's when Deachins and and Kawiki got into it. I was running third right behind them. And you had a bird's eye view of that. I mean, yeah. that's been described by a lot and by yourself in news reports in 1981 as a racing incident. Was it? Was that how you would characterize it? Yeah, it was a racing accident. I mean, they hooked together and they were bouncing off each other three, four times before they finally hooked together. And, and Deacon just spun the wrong way and hit that guardrail the wrong way back there and it fed in that car. and. That was it for him. You know? and, and the thing is, looking back on that crash, if, if it had been one foot either way, I mean, because that guardrail actually, it, it went into his car and withdrew like a needle, another foot either way, and, and Larry Dryby's yeah. alive to this day. Yeah, he would. Yeah. Wow. Um, I tell you what, thanks for the time, Wayne Ruffers, uh, out here as a fan at WIR and Kakan enjoying the races. Thanks for the time, and uh, best of luck in the future. Thank you very much, Joe.